Welcome to the Raised with Jesus podcast, 10 minutes every day where the life of Jesus meets yours. You've got your daily Bible reading today from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians 2. Now about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together with him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken from your composure or disturbed by a spirit, a message, or a letter thought to be from us, which says that the day of the Lord has already come. Let no one deceive you in any way, because that day will not come until the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of destruction. He opposes and exalts himself above everyone who is called God or every object of worship, so that he sits in the temple of God, displaying himself as God. Do you not remember that while I was still with you, I kept telling you these things, and now you know what is holding him back? so that he may be revealed in his own time. In fact, the mystery of this lawlessness is already at work, but only until the one who is now holding him back moves out of the way. Then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy when he appears in splendor at his coming. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan, with every kind of miracle, that is, with false signs and wonders, and with every kind of unrighteousness that deceives those who are perishing, because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. And because of this, God continues to send them a strong delusion, so that they believe the lie, in order that all those may be condemned who refuse to believe the truth, but instead delighted in unrighteousness. But we are always obligated to thank God for you, brothers loved by the Lord, because God chose you from the beginning for salvation by the sanctifying work of the Spirit and faith in the truth. For this reason, he also called you through our gospel so that you would obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold on to the teachings that were passed along to you, either by word of mouth or by a letter from us. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and in his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and establish you in every good work and word. This is the word of our God. Here in 2 Thessalonians 2, we have to talk about what is prophecy. A lot of times when you and I think about prophecy um, or the work of a prophet, we think of only one aspect of that, or that comes at least readily to mind. A prophet is one who speaks for another. And so when we think about prophecy, we think about um, three three words that all kind of hang together, that a prophet is a forth teller, F-O-R-T-H, uh, that he speaks, makes a proclamation on behalf of somebody else, uh, that a prophet is a foreteller, F-O-R, that he speaks on behalf of somebody else, And then finally, a prophet is a foreteller, F-O-R-E, teller. That is, he tells something about the future, which is what we have here. And using this three-part definition, um, even your pastor might be considered a prophet. And biblically, that would make a lot of sense, that he is somebody who who is acting publicly um, as the ambassador from God, as somebody who speaks for God, and yes, to a limited degree, somebody who tells the future. Um, not every prophet would be like Isaiah or Jeremiah, somebody who, who writes um, something specific with a specific vision from God. Some of the prophets may be drew from what had already been written as they talk about the future or as they 
make their public proclamation. And where that comes into play is when Paul talks about this man of lawlessness. Um, And when we look at prophecy such as this, it's important that we take it honestly on its own terms, that we that we look at it not on the basis of our own presuppositions, but on the basis of the text. And so Paul begins um, in that first paragraph, you know, verses one through three, he really addresses what seems to have been an ongoing problem, um, or maybe maybe it happened during the time when he was away, because he has had to talk about the end of time and Judgment Day. He's had to talk about that an awful lot here in First Thessalonians and Second Thessalonians. And maybe now the truth comes out that during the intervening time, perhaps um, somebody had contacted them and tried to lead them astray, had tried to say that the day of, day of judgment had already come. Or maybe it was just a rumor that sprung up in the congregation um, when you know, somebody who's a little bit less informed, but very vocal, they, they make known their opinion. And so Paul says, let no one deceive you in any way, because that day will not come until the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of destruction. And that question, um, obviously there's a couple of questions here. First is this, what is this falling away? Uh, secondly, what is the this man of sin or the man of lawlessness? Um, is kind of the footnote, the alternate uh, translation there. And then finally, um, the revealing of the man of sin. Uh, How does that take place? And I guess two of those three are somewhat answered in the rest of this chapter because Paul is dealing about the timing of Judgment Day and Paul is talking about the revealing of this man of sin or the man of lawlessness or the son of destruction. And then he notably, very notably, he takes the rest of the chapter describing what to watch for, uh, describing what the characteristics of this man of sin are so that he can be revealed. Um, The revealing of the man of sin, my guess and my understanding, if we're looking just at the text here, taking it on its own, uh, on the basis of what it says, that the man of sin is revealed through the word of God. We're not waiting for some special revelation from God. We're not waiting for a special prophet from God. We're not waiting for God to drop a neon sign in front of somebody's house on the front lawn. Um, We're looking at the word of God taking it on its own on its own merits and what it says. And so Paul notably spends the rest of the chapter, at least through verse 12, talking about the man of sin so that he may be revealed on the basis of the word of God. And so what does he do? What is he like? What are his characteristics? Number one, he opposes um, everyone who is called God and every object of worship. He exalts himself above everyone who is called God or every object of worship. Um, He sits in the temple of God, and he displays himself as God. And having read just that verse or two, we need to keep in mind, what does it mean to be God? Uh, What are the specific specific rights and responsibilities that God reserves to himself? Um, Basically, what we're talking about here is God's name. You know, verses three and four, we're talking about God's name. If you remember your catechism studies, uh, God's name is everything that God tells us about himself, everything that God is, everything that God uses to name himself, to call himself. So we're talking about God's reputation and that God himself reserves for himself the ability to, for instance, um, make doctrine, the ability to... um, 
condemn or the, the ability to forgive. He reserves for himself the ability to hold, hold everything and anything over a person's conscience, that God alone decides what the scriptures say. Um, not that this person or this man of lawlessness who sits in the temple of God is necessarily declaring himself a God the same way that Caesar Augustus would, or the various Roman Caesars who were actually worshipped as gods, but that he uses for himself what only belongs to God. So he brings these abilities and authorities, and, and he uses those, and in that sense, he sets himself up as God. And then the other thing, um, that this man of sin is in the temple of God. We're not looking for some political figure. We're not looking for some, some specifically end times figure, but we are looking for a figure who is within the church of God. He sits in the temple of God. Um, he is among Christians and is called a Christian. And so Paul continues, verse 5, Do you not remember that while I was still with you, I kept telling you these things, and now you know what is holding him back, so that he may be revealed in his own time. In fact, the mystery of lawlessness is already at work, but only until the one who is holding now holding it back moves out of the way, then the lawless one will be revealed. And so here we have, again, this talk about the revealing of the lawless one. And during Paul's time, and at the moment when Paul is writing, there is something that is holding him back, and someone who is holding him back for the purpose of revealing him at the proper time. And of course, Paul continues with the descriptions that the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. There we are talking about something that you or I would not discern necessarily by our own power, but that God has revealed it to us, as well as the fact that this lawlessness is at work. And so when he says that, it's a reminder that we're also dealing with a specific understanding or approach to scripture. We are dealing with a specific opposition to the word of God on the basis of this, what Paul terms, lawlessness. And then the Lord Jesus will consume him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him when he appears with splendor at his coming. There, um, the, the breath of the mouth of Jesus, you think of that image from Revelation chapter 1 and the sword of the Spirit coming from the mouth of Jesus, that yes, even the word of God dismantles the power of this lawless one. And when Jesus comes at the end of time, then the lawless one will be totally destroyed. Number nine, verse nine, the coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan, with every kind of miracle that is with false signs and wonders, and every kind of unrighteousness that deceives those who are perishing, because they refuse to love the truth and be saved. And because of this, God sends them a strong delusion so that they believe the lie. So the coming of the lawless one, he's going to be able to do some miraculous signs and deceive many on the basis of those miraculous signs, much the same way that Jannies and Jambres opposed Moses, and they were able to duplicate some of his signs, although not all of them. Um, every kind of miracle, false signs of wonders, and most of all, verse 10, every kind of unrighteousness that deceives those who are perishing. And we see the core of it here in verse 10. They refuse to love the truth, and because they refuse to love the truth, God gave them over to their delusion. 
God punished sin with sin by encouraging them and letting them go their own way. So in other words, that the coming of the lawless one and his power is a spiritual reality, and that spiritual reality finds its result in people turning away from the truth of God's word in order to follow something else that is not based on the word of God, that is not found in the word of God, that is not guided by the word of God. I know our Saturday Thursday podcast is going to talk about this at some length, so I don't want to take all of that. But I, I encourage you to just think of, think of the images that Paul pulls together for us here, the details that he prophesies about for us here. But the question, what shall we do? Verse 15. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold on to the teachings that are passed along to you, either by word of mouth or by a letter from us. May the Lord Jesus Christ himself... Um, encourage your hearts and establish you in every good work and word. And that is our prayer for you. Uh, That continues to be the Christian's prayer for their fellow Christians to stand firm, to hold on to this external, objective, unchanging word of God as our light in a dark place. And Jesus Christ himself will encourage you. He will continue to encourage you and build you up in every good work and word. As you go about your day, take that encouragement with you along in your head, in your heart, in your pocket, that Jesus is with you, that Jesus has won, and that his resurrection means that, yes, you have life with him today and forever. And may he continue to encourage you and establish you in every good work and word. Thanks so much for joining us here at the Raised with Jesus podcast. If you have a friend who would benefit from this, be sure to hit that share button and share it with them. God bless your day.